0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Last week we started a series, and I, I mentioned to every one of us here
1: whether you realize it or not, but mostly we all realize it, we, we are, all of us, we struggle with the issue of unforgiveness. If you've lived life, really and really not, I think when you're younger you don't really think of it, but when you get older you realize it, especially as life goes on, we find ourselves in a cage, in a prison. And the prison that we find ourselves in is the prison of unforgiveness because somebody has hurt us. Somebody did us wrong. Somebody violated us. Somebody hurt us in a way that is unimaginable to them. Somebody destroyed you in one way. In fact, it could be one person or it could be several people. It could be people hurt you. People did something against you. And what happens is is this is, the, this is the terrible thing about the things that happen to us. It just doesn't end with the offense. We wish it would. It just doesn't end with what happened to us. We got to live with the stuff that happens afterwards. And what happens afterwards is is that we all of a sudden find ourselves in this cage of unforgiveness, where we are constantly being reminded of the offense. Where we're constantly being reminded of the hurt, of the pain, of the struggle. And we're wondering who's going to let us out of the cage. Remember we talked about this last week. And the problem is, is that the person you maybe want for, for, to hear say they're sorry, maybe they're dead. Or they don't care. Or they don't see that they've done anything wrong. And so you're there in the cage. Hoping that somehow somebody will let you out. And the problem is, is that they don't have the key. The key isn't vengeance. The key actually belongs to you. And the issue of forgiveness is what really unlocks the lock and opens the gate to let you out. You say, "How how how do I forgive someone? How do I forgive them for the pain that they have caused me, for the hurt, for the shame? How do I forgive them for the offense or or whatever? How do I do that? Because that just seems so unnatural. That's so unreal. And let's be honest, it is unreal. Our natural tendency when somebody hurts us is to hurt them back. It's not the forgiveness thing. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that just kind of confuses everything because we'll hear stuff like this Oh, well, to forgive is to forget. And every one of us is saying, Well, man, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not forgetting. First of all, let me tell you, that's a lie, because the only one who can forget about sin is God. You and I are not wired that way. That's why he gave us memories, and that's not, you just can't shut off which one you can't remember. And so there we are, how do I do it? Well, you realize that there is somebody who died for you, and that he forgave you your sins, and with that forgiveness of your sin, he then gives you the key to unlock the door of unforgiveness. He then gives you the key to get yourself out of the cage. Now, what we're going to talk about today is finding forgiveness for yourself. Because it really starts there. If I'm going to learn to forgive others for the junk that they have caused in my life that has put me in the cage of unforgiveness, I need to learn to find forgiveness for myself. Because there are some of you here, and maybe that you've done something in your life. You're struggling... You're hurting because you feel like maybe God can't ever forgive you for what you've done. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now, he can forgive everything. So let's look at what he's talking about today. We're going to go, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. We're going to discuss this issue about finding forgiveness for ourselves. It's from Psalm 51. This is King David writing. This is his psalm of confession. Let me kind of remind you about King David. Let me remind you of the issue that he's struggling with here. King David, this is sometime, oh, at least nine months after he took his best friend's wife, and when I say he took, I mean he took her, got her pregnant, tried to cover it up, but his friend had more integrity than himself, so then what did he end up doing he decided, well, i got to get rid of my friend, and so he had his friend killed so that he could then marry the gal, and so it looks like it's a legitimate birth. And so it, sometime after that, he's then confronted about his sin by the prophet, and he confesses it. And what we have here in Psalm 51 is his confession. It's the psalm that he wrote out of his confession. So let's look at it together, and we're going to notice several different things here today. First of all, verse 1. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, in the, in the hidden part. You will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities." Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this passage into a couple of different parts. Number one, we're going to talk about an understanding of God. We're going to talk about the nature of confession. What does it mean to confess to God your stuff? Then we're going to talk about the work of forgiveness. What exactly does God do in your life when he forgives? And then we're going to talk about the result of forgiveness. Because here's the thing. Before I can get to the place that I forgive other people i got to understand how God forgives me. Because over and over in the Bible, Jesus will say this, the apostles will say this, that you and I are to forgive as, that big little word there, we have been forgiven. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. So we're going to grasp a little bit. So first notice with me the understanding of God. Now why does he start off there? Why do we need to start off with an understanding of God? So here's what I've noticed about folks. Let's, first of all, let's, let's, let's make sure that everybody's on a level playing field here. Every single one of us are sinners. We sin. We do wrong. We have attitudes. We do actions against each other. We hurt each other. We sin. Everybody understand that? Now here's what we like to do. This is how we justify stuff in our lives. We like to categorize sins. And so we have a list of sins, and this is how we categorize them. And if you've done these sins, you're a bad guy. And if you've done these sins, well, you're not doing good, but you're not as bad as this guy over here. First of all, that's not even in the Bible. Whenever you look at the Bible and it lists sins, it lumps them all together. And the reality is is that we all do wrong. So let's get on a level playing field here. Let's get on a field together where we understand that we all need forgiveness, every single one of us, and that in God's eyes, there is no sin that is greater than another, period. So what happens is, though, we've got this category in our mind that some things are bad, some things are not. What ends up happening is, is that we misunderstand God. So you might be here today, and you've done something in your life. Maybe it happened 20 years ago, maybe it happened last week. And in your mind, it's the one thing that God can't forgive. In fact, your concept of God is, is that he's just waiting for an opportunity to smack you down. He's just waiting for an opportunity to cause a problem in your life as a punishment for what you're going through. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those are very real thoughts that happen in our minds, that God is waiting to smack us down for the stuff that we've done in our lives. Folks, that is not what Psalm 51 is saying. I want you to notice and look with me, first of all, the understanding that David has of God. Now let's stop for a moment. I want to remind ourselves, as we look at this, I want you to remember that we're talking about a guy here, just so if we're going to categorize it, who had an adulterous affair with his best friend's wife and had his best friend killed. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Look at how he understands God. Look with me at verse 1. Have mercy upon me, God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Here's what he recognizes about God. He recognizes God's unfailing love and compassion. If there was ever anybody to be scared of God, if there was ever anybody that should have been panicked, about whether or not God was upset with him and ready to to smack him down for what he's done, David should have been. I mean, what David did is despicable. And he knows it. And if there was ever anybody that should have feared God, he should have. But look at what he says about God. He's asking God two specific actions. Number one, have mercy on me. And number two, Blot out my transgressions. Wipe out my offense. Now here's how he can say that. Because he recognizes something about God. He recognizes something about the character of God. He recognizes his unfailing love and his compassion. He recognizes his unfailing love and compassion. Some of you need to grasp it here today. For some reason you think that God cannot accept you because of whatever it is. The reality is... His love is unfailing. His compassion is great. Isn't that awesome? Here's the second thing I want you to see. Verse 2. He knows that God can can remove and cleanse sin. He knows that God can remove and cleanse sin. Look at verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You know, when we do wrong, we have a couple things going on with us. Sometimes we bear the physical marks of our wrong actions. But that's, that's very rare. A lot of times the stuff that we do that's wrong, we don't bear physical marks of it. But we do bear, listen to me, the emotional and spiritual marks. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think a better word would be scars, not marks. And, and what will happen is is that when you know you've done wrong and you know it, and what happens is is your conscience hurts your conscience hurts, and it aches. And you feel, here it is, shame and guilt. And the shame that you feel makes you feel, are you ready for this one, dirty. And maybe you've even tried to take a shower to feel better, and it doesn't. And the reality is is that the shame and the guilt is there. And no matter what you try to do to deaden the pain, it's still there. And, and look, we know this because we deal with people all the time. Some people, because of the guilt they carry and the shame that they carry, they try to deaden the pain through many different things. Food, sex, drugs, alcohol, all of it to deaden the pain and the shame and the guilt that they're carrying. And the reality is, is that that's... And, you never, and here's the thing. The reason why they keep continuing is because it's not doing it. It's not removing it. The fact is, is we can't remove it! Only one can. See, David recognizes it. You know, David, you say, did he feel guilty? Oh, yeah. There's another Psalm, Psalm 32. In Psalm 32, he literally talks about that he can't sleep at night because of what he's done. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? Have your best friend killed? Take his wife? Good to know you can't sleep. Literally, he talks about there that his bones are aching. The reality is, listen to me, the reality is is that in in all that we carry, of the junk that we do, the only one who can take it from us, and here's what David's recognizing, the only one who can take it from us is who? God. He knows that God can remove his sin. Folks, you might be here and you're carrying something and, and you're like, who? going to be free of this, what I've done? Am I ever going to be free of the shame and the guilt? Am I ever going to be free of all of this? Yes. If you go to the one who takes it from you. And listen, do you remember what the song was we just sang from the east to the west? The scripture very clearly says that God, He removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Our sins, He removes them that far. That's the understanding we need to have from God when it comes to the junk in our lives. That's the understanding. So then I want you to notice how he confesses. Look with me, because here's here's the issue. This is where we struggle. Look with me, verse 3 through 6. We look at the nature of his confession. Look with me at verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Here's what I want you to see. He takes responsibility for his sin. He takes responsibility for his sin. Now, here here's what we do, because I you know I've been around a lot. I know I'm a human being, I do it too. Confession, normally, in human terms, is this. Yeah, I did do it. But if so and so hadn't have done this, and if so-and-so hadn't have done that, and, and if this hadn't have happened, and if this situation hadn't have come up, and, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and, and what we really do is we don't admit to anything. We just give a bunch of excuses. You understand what I'm saying? David isn't saying here, I acknowledge my transgressions, but you know, Lord, it was a hot day. I didn't like the fact that the, the prowess was too hot, and, and you know, I walked out, out on the outside. And that's okay to have a mid, midnight walk on the roof of the building, but I mean, she shouldn't have been bathing out there like that, Lord. I mean, Uriah shouldn't have had his wife do that kind of stuff. That's not acknowledging anything. There's a word for it. There's two words for it. It's called blame shifting. It's shifting the blame. But I want you to notice something. David here is saying, I'm the one who did it. It's me. Listen, here's a definition of confession. Confession is going to God and saying, God, I did what you saw me do. You may want to write that one down. I did what you saw me do. That's confession. It's not coming to him with a bunch of excuses and mampy-pampy reasons or whatever. It's going to him and saying to him, God, I'm the one who did it. My sin's before me. My sin is before me. It's always before me. Here's the other thing I want you to notice about the nature of his confession. He not only takes responsibility, he knows that he has ultimately sinned against God. See, this is where we fall short, especially in church. This is why we don't take serious our sin. You know, we categorize sin. So we've got acceptable sins, and then we've got other sins that we think are totally unacceptable. And the reality is, they're all unacceptable to God. And what he realizes here is, is that a lot of us need to realize is that when I do wrong, I'm not just sinning against myself. I'm not just sinning against somebody else. I'm ultimately sinning against God. Do you understand that? It's like I'm walking up to him and slapping his face. That's especially true if you're a Christian. Because the writer of Hebrews says that we what? When we sin, we crucify him afresh. We're making light of what Jesus has done for us. He knows that we've ultimately sinned against God. Now here's the other thing I want you to see. He goes from there and he talks about the work of forgiveness. So here's what he does. He goes to God, he acknowledges his sin, he recognizes that he's sinned against God. But I want you to notice what he asks God to do in his life is he forgives him. Here's, we see several components of what happens with forgiveness. Look with me at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Here's the work of forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness cleanses sins from our lives. When you go to Him and you say to Him, God, I'm the one. I did it. I And no excuses. You acknowledge, I did what you saw me do. Forgive me. First John 1 verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleans you up. He forgives you. He removes it from you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, He takes it away from you. and I'll, I remember some of you are saying, well, yeah, I've done that, but I keep remembering. Well, you got to remember you got an enemy who keeps reminding. You. Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren, and so he keeps coming to you and he keeps reminding you. Well, don't you remember when you did this? Don't you remember that? But here's what I want you to see. When God forgives, forgiveness cleanses our sin from our lives. Here's the other thing. Forgiveness renews our relationship with God. See, when you don't find forgiveness for yourself, I can almost guarantee you that the relationship that you think you have with God isn't there. And you're wondering, God, why aren't you hearing me? God, what's going on? It just seems so distant from me. God, God, where are you? It's because you haven't gone to him and made right the stuff that you need to make right. So David recognizes that forgiveness will renew his relationship with God. And here's what happens when you when you are forgiven. Number one, it brings opportunity to teach others. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Here, we got a problem in our church. We're going to talk about this later. And let me just say in our church, not our church, hopefully not our church, our tendency in the Christian church today is to be condemning. Have you noticed that? About anything. But the reality is, is when you look at the Word of God, especially right here, When you understand forgiveness in your life, the implication of the scripture, of the text is, is that you will then teach others about what? Forgiveness. Do you understand? We've got it messed up, don't we? I think the reason why we've got it messed up is because we don't understand forgiveness. So it brings opportunity to teach others. Now here's the other thing. It provides opportunity for true worship. David says that. Look with me, verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. You know, a lot of times you can tell where people are at in their worship of God because of their grasp of the forgiveness in their life. If you've really forgiven Him, you'll worship Him. If you've been forgiven by Him and you realize that God has removed that junk from your life, you'll worship Him. It's like, God, I love you, thank you results in true worship. See, here's the thing, folks. If we're going to be able to get out of the cage and forgive other people, we've got to first experience what? Forgiveness ourselves. And that's what Psalm 51 is telling us. Here's three things that you want. Number one, what's your view of God? See, here's the thing. If you're going to deal with this whole issue of forgiveness, if we're going to talk about forgiving other people, We're going to talk about finding forgiveness for ourselves. You have got to come to a place where you understand who God is. And you understand who He is and how He acts with people. Yes, God is a righteous God. Yes, God judges sin. But God, I want you to understand that God is also a loving God. God is also the God who is described in the Old Testament as one who does not delight in the destruction of the wicked. He takes no delight in people going to hell. He's a God who's merciful, so merciful that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die that we might have the forgiveness of sins. And so if you're going to talk about the issue of forgiveness, you've got to start with the number one question, which is where it is, what's your view of God? And listen to me, if you view God like some guy who's up there with a cosmic control panel just waiting for the next person to do wrong so he can zap him, you're never going to understand forgiveness. You understand me? You're never going to understand it. You're never going to grasp it for yourself. You're never going to be able to forgive anybody else. In fact, you'll become condemning. Critical. Because that's how you see God as. Condemning and critical. But if you understand that God is a loving God who, yes, is righteous and will judge, but also is willing to forgive and that His mercies endure forever... And He's full of compassion. It will affect you as you seek forgiveness for your life. And it will affect you as you begin to forgive other people. It's got to start right there. Here's the other one. Have you come clean with Him? Really, that's what confession is. Have you come clean with God? Have you gone to Him and said, God, I'm the man. I'm the gal. I did what you saw me do. Forgive me. And it's not one of these, I mean, I hear him, Oh, God, please forgive my sin. What are you talking about? He he knows what you did. It's like when you discipline your children. parents. How many of you know when you you catch them doing something, you want them to admit to it, and they just said, Well, I know I did wrong. What did you do? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? That's when you have your tizzy. What do you mean? I just, ah!" Drives you nuts, right? We do the same thing with God. What keeps us from coming clean? I'll tell you what it is. Pride. If you come clean with God. And then finally, find the forgiveness He has for you. Find the forgiveness He has for you. You say, George, you don't know what I did. To be honest with you, I don't really care what you did. It doesn't make a hill of beans to me. Because that's really not the issue. That's between you and God. And I know that He can forgive you. I mean, remember, we're talking about David here, folks. What did he do? Holy moly, none of us are doing what he did. At least I hope not. You know, I, I was I mentioned this earlier to somebody. I've been doing my devotions through 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and 1 and 2 Chronicles. I'm up to 2 Chronicles. And when you... Go past David's life. I found it very interesting. It stuck out to me. Whenever God refers to David, whenever God refers to David after his death, whenever somebody is, he's referred to in the Bible, it is always the same thing. Always the same thing. A man who sought after me with all of his heart. It never is said, the Bathsheba thing. What does that tell you? I'll tell you what it told me when I was reading it. He removed it from David. And he didn't bring it up anymore. Isn't that awesome? Some of you need to find that forgiveness in your life today. Where he takes it from you and he doesn't talk about it.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning, and we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org.